Welcome to the Metal Maven Podcast, where we explore and discover the process and passions of artists in the metal music and art community. In episode 11 of Metal Maven Podcast, I'm joined by Joost Vandenbroek, producer, mixer, performer, and arranger based in the Netherlands. Many of the artists featured on Metal Maven have worked with Joost at his headquarters in Sand Lane Studio, and he's gained quite a reputation in the rock and metal world as a chart-hitting producer, working with such acts as Epica, Ariane, Powerwolf, and many more. It's such a pleasure to chat with you today. Joost, how are you doing? Hi there, I'm I'm fine. I had already uh, quite a day of work here in Holland. I'm at at the moment I'm working on uh, new Epica pre-productions, and uh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm um, you know pleased to talk to you. Same here, and I'm very excited about Epica Eight. So maybe we'll get to chat about that later if we can. We'll see. Sure. <laughs> So I was first introduced to you through Epica's manager, and I ended up creating your logo and some promotional material. And even soon after that, Marcella Bovio and I collaborated to help create your personal website. So it's only fitting that I asked you here for your insight. So it's greatly appreciated. Yeah, well, it's it's cool that you indeed already talked to to quite a lot of people that I'm I have been working with, and uh, so yeah, it's it's a very feels like a logical next step, so to say. <laughs> well, I've learned so much about them, but I'd, I'm excited to learn more about you and especially your origin story. How did music become such an intrinsic part of your life as well as how you found your way to mainly producing versus performing? Well, actually, like a lot of musicians, I started out really young, right? So when I was at the age of six, I think I um, did some general musical class and I was introduced to a lot of instruments. I remember really enjoying myself, being, you know, very interested. And, um, well, from there, I actually kind of got to choose an instrument to play. And I, I actually wanted all kinds of instruments where I was still too small for or, or I didn't have enough air to, you know, like for a big saxophone to play or I wanted to play contra double bass, you know, I was too small. So I thought, OK, maybe it's really cool to play piano because I always liked the fact that it sounds very complete. It's not just a solo instrument. Uh, you have your, your left hand for the chords and the, and the bass and your right hand for, you know, the, the melodies. And I really admired the players that could, you know, make it sound so alive. And then actually my parents said, well, why don't you start off with a keyboard? Because, you know, it's it's a, a bit more affordable. It's not so big to put in the living room. <laughs> and uh, I was very lucky this person, he was uh, himself, he was still pretty young when he started teaching me. So he was completely into the pop and rock music and not at all into classical education, you know. And I mean, that really helped me get inspired and really get me to learn the keyboard like I'm using still today, like building MIDI files, making arrangements, working with sounds. I loved it. I mean, I had everything under my fingertips. I could be the drummer, I could be the bass player, I could be whatever. So yeah, that really, 
evolved in going towards the conservatory in 2000. And there I started an education called music production and keyboards. And that was the perfect combination for me because, you know, it, it really brought everything every information I, I ever wanted to learn and I got to connect my my keyboard side to the more technical side of production, learn how to arrange, etc. etc. And um, well I actually did it for four years and then I did a master study after that. And when I was just in my first year I actually got contacted by Arjen Lucas, uh, who was looking for a keyboard player to go on tour with him, the Star One tour. And, you know, I was, of course, blown away by that opportunity. And I remember that that I just said yes to everything because he said, oh, can you play this? Can you play that? And I said, yeah, sure, I, I can do that. <laughs> and I really, really didn't know that much, to be honest. Little fake it till you make it. Yeah, so two weeks after I I went to the studio of Arian and did some kind of um, of audition and I actually was hired. So that's the start of the relationship with Arian. And um, well, also in the end of my studies, I joined After Forever because during this Star One tour, I met Floriance. I think that was in two thousand four. And actually, during After Forever, I finished my studies. I started producing more and more and more and at some point after forever stopped and for me that was a very logical moment to really focus a hundred percent on you know the the production side and the arrangement side and um yeah that's actually a little little bit of my origin story so to say so it's kind of a mixture of your musical creative side plus this kind of love of tech and just kind of having that playground for yourself. Yeah, I, I must say that that although, of course, what we do is technical here and there, that really doesn't have my, my main focus. I really learned a lot by doing and trying. And of course, I was educated still. But I always thought the creative part and, you know, listening to something and then figuring out how I, I get what I want, that to be the most important part. So if you weren't a musician, what do you think your life would have been like? I have no clue. I sometimes think about it, but I really didn't have anything else in mind i didn't have like a second study that i i subscribed to to start there was no no plan b and there still isn't actually <laughs> there was no confusion you knew what you were you were going to do i mean for some people that's kind of a big thing and it just naturally for you you understood what your purpose was yeah, I, I think so. But then again, back then, I was just going with the flow, you know, and my parents supported that. And yeah, I just thought this is what I want to do. And I was in a way confident about it. I don't know. Maybe I was very naive also. I think you just followed your intuition. Like it's just you followed what you were naturally happy doing and it hasn't failed you. 
No, well, I'm I'm literally every day I'm I'm very thankful for everything that I can do and you know I'm very pleased to see it's still growing and the projects that I I'm able to do are still growing and quality is growing and it's you know it's really cool I'm I'm very happy about it. So in regards to your work at Sandlane what is your intake process? How do you decide whether a band is the right fit to work with you? Well, it can be multiple things, but for sure, I think they have some kind of a drive that I recognize and can really make progress. Uh, they have to have some kind of mindset, you know, to come here and think, okay, we're here to, you know, to start an adventure and we're really going all in. And of course, I need a, a basis quality of musicianship and songs. It's quite a list, I must say. And of course, I get quite a lot of messages of bands that, you know, oh, can you mix this? Can you arrange that? And sometimes they feel like, you know, he, he can do some kind of magic, <laughs> but I really can't. I've became trained in coaching people, in guiding them towards a goal that we set. And I have a lot of tools to reach that goal. But still, I need good people to work with, with a good mindset, with a lot of qualities. And also, I'm always looking for, you know, does it make sense that we make this album, that we make this EP or this single? I really am not inspired when I feel, okay, you know, this is just another thing. And okay, let's do it. And it sounds like anything else. So working with as many artists as you do, how do you enhance or maintain their signature sound? I know with, with every album, bands usually want to improve themselves. So how do you help facilitate that need? Well, I try to invest quite a lot of time in getting to know the band really well. So there's a lot of communication involved, so to say. And then I can dig into this band, into the material and see where it's at at that moment, where we need to go to. And whatever is necessary, we'll try to make that happen. So sometimes it's a very process-based kind of production. So I'm really, you know, there for a lot of overview, for a lot of guidance. Uh, sometimes it's really also diving into the song material adding arrangements, searching for the right sounds that they've never really found. So it can be anything, but it's really the, the basis is getting to know this band, getting to know their ambition, getting to know their style and what would be their next step and try to see a path there. Try to see the goal and what's necessary. And that can be anything. So for instance, Epica, you are currently doing pre-production for their eighth album. So relating to the prior question, you're working with an established band, and I know you can't reveal a lot of details, but would you be able to speak on how you aim to bridge their prior work with the next echelon they want to reach? With Epica, most of the band members are also composers in, at this moment. So there it's very important to get all the ideas and all the inspiration that people have together in in songs and also to get different type of songwriting together on one album in kind of a similar style and um, with Epica I also do a lot of arrangements 
So it's also on that side that I try to make the next steps in, okay, what, what did we do? Where should it go? What kind of sounds do we want to use this time? It's very much optimizing the process. Uh, the people of Epica don't really live close together. So you need to make a system that works for them to be creative, to make good planning. You know, when we are together to get a very productive moment there and also do a lot of file administration to, you know, keep the overview. So it's it's on many aspects that I really try to make this process go smooth. But of course, I'm also musically very involved in arrangements, in getting the songwriting together, in creating vocal lines together with, with the singers. With Epica, I'm, I'm involved in a very wide range of things to do. So working with artists, what is the natural flow of your week? Do you intensely focus on one project or do you take on a larger capacity of work and divide your time accordingly? It depends a little bit. I mean, with Epica, everyone, when they come to the studio, they're here like separate for a day and sometimes two or three days, and then I'm kind of fully focused on working with them, getting a, you know, the most productive moment there. But uh, like today, I, I had a meeting first with Arjen. Yesterday, we announced a festival show that we're going to play with Arjen. And after that, I actually started arranging for a song for Epica, which I'm still working on. And in the meantime, you know, I do emails, I do phone calls, I do a lot of things because I'm always involved in more project planning and, you know, a lot of communication. Also, a lot of questions come to my emails and I have to answer them and then people can move on again. And of course, when I'm in recordings, that's the whole day recording. So we normally start at 10 a.m. And then we work, let's say, eight hours, maybe 10. It depends a little bit. Vocal recordings should do a little bit shorter, but guitar recordings go on much longer. So, uh, yeah, stuff like that. So there's many aspects of the work you do, but do you have something specific that really connects with you and feels effortless? Well, one of my favorite things for sure is making arrangements and building the sound. That's really one of my favorite things because then I'm really in my own world and I have a lot of tools and, I'll, you know, the opportunities are endless. That's probably one of my main things that I really enjoy. But also, I must say, I really enjoy getting good communication and keeping the overview. That's also a part of me that. Uh, yeah, that, that goes very natural. And I, I like to motivate people. Uh, so, yeah, those two things are probably my most favorite aspects. You just recently announced a new Into the Electric Castle show. You organize all of the Ariane events. I know you were lead producer for Ariane Live in 2017, and all of those shows sold out, and it gained quite a reputation as a highly acclaimed performance. So you make what looks like a daunting task seem effortless. At the same time, you're also performing in this as well. So how do you manage an event like this and prepare to perform in it as well? Well, uh, 
that's that's actually a matter of taking a lot of time to prepare. I mean, for example, for the Aryan shows, we are really starting like one and a half year before the show and really already starting to go into details. And then, you know, there are so many people involved, but everything that we think of has to be communicated, has to be administrated, has to be, you know, it has to go to people and then they do something, it gets back to you. There are so, so many things to make this happen. And well, I must say that even before the show starts i'm still you know doing a lot of organization and of course we have a great crew of like over a hundred people but most of them come to me with questions <laughs> so you can imagine that in a week like that where we start building and we start you know sound checking rehearsing etc it's like one big marathon for me the whole week and indeed, then I also have to play like four shows. So I always need a little bit of holiday afterwards. <laughs> but I really enjoy that you work really hard on all the details, uh, going from the smallest thing that you thought of till the biggest thing that you see on stage, getting all these details correct and making them work and it's a real pleasure. And of course, then when the place is sold out and the people, you know, the fans of Arian are so dedicated and so thankful. I mean, it's just a very special thing that I'm, I'm very honored to do, I must say. Do you think this attention to detail and dedication is what has transformed this performance into its current state as this epic stage production? Well, yeah, I think so. We do things like uh, last September, we build the whole castle. Uh, that is something that you work on like for months, so to say. So you have to have the right design, the right construction. There were like four different companies involved in making this castle and getting the LED screens in and making them move. And so, yeah, it's a lot of work and a lot of communication and a lot of different people that are involved. So, yeah, that kind of results in something that's not just another gig, uh, you know, setting up drums and having a guitar and that's it. So we go way further and I think we didn't reach our peak yet, so to say. We still have a lot of ideas what, what we want to do and what we want to try. So, uh, yeah, it's very exciting. So for this new show, Into the Electric Castle Live, that you announced, I just wanted to add a little more detail for the listeners, is that you're, it's a headliner for Night of the Prague Festival this July in Germany. It will take place at the Loreland Amphitheater. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. I mean, how epic. Yeah, I'm very happy to return again, but this time with a much bigger show and our own production. So I'm sure it will be a very special occasion. With Aryan, we are actually really not a festival act, so to say. So in 2018, we played a headline show at Graspop. But I mean, that was more just a big festival with a big show with a lot of pyro. And Into the Electric Castle is a bit more of a dynamic show, not so metal. And uh, I think it will come across really well on the Lorelei stage for the fans. Yeah, it's, it's cool. I, I think we're going to build a very special show there.
I was wondering how that was going to work in a festival setting, but then I saw the stage and I was like, this is going to be beautiful. It's going to be like open air, gorgeous experience for everyone. So should fans expect any surprises for this experience? Yes, <laughs> we will have a, a few surprises there, but obviously I can't say a lot of that yet. But we are thinking about a few special things. Uh, we also don't want to repeat the, of course, it's into the electric castle, so it's people know what the music is. But we don't want to really repeat the show as it was, so because we, we are, you know, open air. We have a different kind of stage. We might even have, you know, a few different names here and there. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it will be a great show, but, you know, with some surprises. And I think also for the diehard fans, some very special ones. Awesome. I'm sure it'll sell out rather quickly, as all the other shows have. I, I hope so. I especially hope so for, you know, the, the festival promoter. Normally, of course, we do all the ticketing and, and promotion and everything ourselves. It's always, you know, a very big process getting the whole ticketing and getting the whole sales going, so to say. So also for the promoter, I hope that it will be a very successful edition. So do you have your vacation plans or holiday plans all set for after this show? <laughs> well, I, I must say that in a way, I hope that this festival show, because we have started pretty early with the, the preparations and of course, we're still very fresh from the last show this September. I feel that, but maybe I'm a bit naive. <laughs> I feel that it's going to be okay. Still a lot of things need to happen, but in a way, I feel pretty comfortable. I mean, it definitely is not the same kind of amount of work setting up a complete new show. And we have a great crew and a great team. So I'm sure that everyone still, you know, knows a lot of the last show and knows what to do. So it's, it's much easier, so to say. Oh, I'm sure it's going to be. I know there's always a few hiccups and things that occur, but I think it's going to go smoothly. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's technically it's quite a challenge because we have to bring the complete audio set up ourselves because otherwise we can't do the show. We have great professionals in which we trust, so I, that will be fine. I'm sure there will be hiccups, but that's also the challenge and the beauty of this. So you've accomplished so much, Joost, and have successfully established yourself in the music industry and created quite an adventurous life for yourself. You are my last podcast guest for 2019, so my last question for you is, what are your hopes, goals, and dreams for 2020? What would you want to create for yourself and for others in the coming year? Well, first of all, I'm honored that I'm your last guest for, for this year. That's really cool. And, uh, uh, well, what I, what I hope to create... You know, I'm, I'm here in Sandley Recording Facilities, which is a great studio where I'm very happy to work in. Every day I can work with great people on exciting productions. And I have a lot of things planned for 2020. Like I said, the new Epica album is one of them, the Aryan show. And actually, I'm already planning into 2021 as we speak. And, 
you know, I just hope that all these projects become bigger and better and, you know, even more creative and the, the flow that we have. I, I really feel that at this moment we're in the best flow we've been so far since I, I started working with them. And that's cool. I, I hope to continue that. And for 2020, a lot of things like that are being planned and it uh, will be a big year very busy year but i like it like that <laughs> and um yeah those are actually my my goals so to say awesome well thank you so much yost for being here with me and i know all those things are going to happen for you in 2020 thank you for sharing today well thank you very much it was a pleasure to talk to you for more information on Sandlane Studios and to view Joost's recent projects, visit joostvandebroek.com. And be sure to see Joost perform live on stage with Arion and experience Into the Electric Castle, a space opera, at Night of the Prague Festival in Germany on July 18th. Tickets are on sale now. Visit metalmavenpodcast.com for links to Joost's social profiles and read the full transcript of this interview. Thanks for tuning in. And be sure to subscribe to Metal Maven Podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google.